Pastor Ray uh, is going to uh, welcome our, our guest speaker this morning, and so here's a message from Pastor Ray. Hey, Bethel family. How you guys doing? Good morning. Good to see you guys. Thank you so much for being at Bethel Community Church. I'm Pastor Ray. It's my wife, Rachel. And we wish we could be there with you in person soon. We're working on a plan. Yes. We're hoping to be back in person, maybe a little protected with masks and distance, but we'll be back to be able to share with you. We've yes. really missed you guys. Uh, missed Christy, you guys. what's been going on with your health this week? Um, well, this week I've had a good week. Um, the pain is getting so much better from my surgery. And uh, I was able to get out of the house a couple times, uh, go for a couple walks. The weather did, wasn't great this week. <laughs> there was a couple um, times. She did a couple rounds in the neighborhood. That was then, really good. Uh, so, so that was great. And I'm feeling good. Um, I'm hoping to this next week. We got a new oncologist this week. So things are taking a little longer with insurance. But our plan is this week for me to get my port, um, which I'm a little nervous about. So you can pray with me on that. And, um, and then hopefully to start chemo this week. So if everything works out well, by the end of the week, I will be starting round two and get back into the chemo regimen so I can get it done. Yes. So I want to get it started so we can get it done. So. We know so many of you are going through your own struggles and your own battles, and we don't want to say that ours is unique and no. the only one that's out there. We know a lot of people go through right. struggles. Actually, just a couple of days ago, we heard about my cousin, Stephanie uh, Schoenberger. She was diagnosed with ALL leukemia. And uh, I know there's so many people around the country that are struggling with different things like this, but if you pray for her, uh, that'd be great as well. Our family on my side um, has two people going through battling cancer. And I know in your family, that's not unique. Uh, many of you are struggling with it as well, maybe even yourselves. And so- Yeah, and I think it's like along this journey, um, I think it's easy to say, why me? But right. I, I've never really said that because mm -hmm. I know there's so many people that are suffering in so many different ways. It's really, it's like, why not? You know, why not us? Why not really anyone? And right. so um, my goal is just to be an encouragement because I know everyone is suffering somehow. Yeah. And so if we can all just kind of do it together and not be alone, that's kind yeah. of the goal. Well, when you hear the word cancer and you think, <laughs> oh my goodness, this is the worst thing ever. But we know there's a lot of things that are yeah. that are maybe far worse, but, but also just as difficult. And so uh, we're praying with you as you're praying with us. We can't thank you enough for your encouragement and support and love uh, during this time. We have truly felt lifted mm -hmm. and blessed uh, during this time yeah. from, from our church family. Yeah. Uh, this month is Love Made Me Do It. We're on week three. Man, I'm so excited to introduce a good friend of mine, uh, Pastor Mark Borseth of Resurrection Lutheran. Man, he has been such a blessing to me. Five years ago, last month, I met him. Uh, we did a Ministerial Alliance meeting at his church, the very first one that I ever went to. I was a little nervous. I walked in. There was maybe 15, 16 pastors at Pastor Mark's church, and what a gracious host he was. Uh, one thing that struck me about Pastor Mark as I got to know him over the years is that he truly has allowed God to let love change him. Uh, the last three years specifically, he'll talk about that today, but God has really pulled him out of his shell, if you wanna put it that way, to be a, an incredible man of prayer. Uh, not only is he a pastor leading a congregation, but he's a man that truly believes in the power of prayer. Many of you may have experienced a prayer with him sitting at a coffee shop or at a restaurant. He truly is an encouragement, uh, Pastor Mark is for me. Uh, they did something for Christy. She's going to talk about it here for a second. Well, I mean, I think one of the most, I mean, so many blessings in the last couple of months, um, but this is just one. And it's that so many of our area churches have reached out to us yeah. um, with cards and calls and prayers. 
like other churches in town are praying for me. And that's just so humbling and such a beautiful picture really of the church. And Resurrection Lutheran did something super special. Um, they made me this beautiful quilt. I mean, they didn't even know I love butterflies and it's just <laughs> the side is butterflies. And then this side is a little unique because it has um, all these areas with these strings um, on it. I don't know if you can see those. But a bunch of strings kind of quilted into the blanket. And are you going to explain that? Each one of these strings, Pastor Mark explained to me, is so that people can come and actually pray for Christy mm -hmm. and tie a knot. And so it's a prayer blanket. And so their church, uh, when they put this together, their church had a service where they went through and they tied prayer knots for Christy. Mm -hmm. So people would come and they'd grab it and they would tie a knot to pray for her. And so uh, we were very encouraged by that. Yeah. We had a few of our nurses and doctors and people that came into our room, they would tie a knot. Um, people in our family have tied a knot. And so we wanted today, as Pastor Mark is sharing with us, Love Made Me Do It, we wanted to bring, uh, send the blanket and it's gonna be hanging there in the, in the auditorium there. And we'd love for you just to take a minute if you can. Pastor Mark's probably gonna talk about it as well this morning, but if you take a minute and just go by and we're not telling you to pray for, pray for Christy, we're just asking to, for you to join us in this fight. Uh, we know that prayer changes everything. And if you go up and just kind of grab one of these strands, uh, these yellow strands and tie it in a knot as you say a short prayer for Christy, that'd be an encouragement to us. And uh, yeah, it's, it's something cool. physically that we can do with our hands as we're speaking with our minds to the Father. Right, so. and I, I look at it and I see these knots on there and it's like, I don't even know these people. Yeah. And so it's it's, Again, a beautiful picture for me of just uh, people surrounding me and um, covering me in prayer, which is the most important thing that I need right now. Yeah. So we love you guys. We uh, once again, we miss you. Pastor Mark, brother, I love you so much. Thank you so much for spending this mm -hmm. Sunday with Bethel Community Church as we uh, continue in our series. Love made me do it. Let's get started. Well, I just want to say thanks. I'm not used to having all these lights on me here. So uh, I remember when, when Ray preached at my church about three, four years ago during my sabbatical, he said he was terrified because he didn't know how Lutherans did things and he wasn't sure if he would mess things up. And so hopefully, I, I know we, he definitely blessed my church when he came and preached at our church. And so hopefully I won't mess things up too bad uh, here as well. But I just want to start with a prayer. So the, the quilt that he was talking about is hanging there in the back. Um, so as you go out today, uh, just take a time to tie a knot, say a prayer. And for our church, that's one ministry we have that reminds us that we need to be the tangible presence of God. Sometimes we can say, well, yeah, I'm praying for you. But sometimes it's nice to actually have something tangible that reminds you that you can touch. And so um, that's just one example of how our church is trying to encourage us to be thinking, how can we be a blessing in our community? And that's sort of what I'm talking about today. Um, so I just want to start with prayer and then um, share a little bit of, of what I'm going to share today. So, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for uh, just the church, the ministry of, of Bethel Community Church. And I just pray your blessings upon uh, Ray and Reuben and the whole team here. I pray for healing for Christy. And I just pray for all the needs of this congregation. I just thank you for the wonderful blessing, the way that your kingdom comes in and through 
the congregation and the individual members of this congregation and just pray that this truly would be a contact point between heaven and earth for this community. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as Ray was talking about what he wanted me to talk about, uh, some of it was just the way he had observed, like he said, that sort of, I'm pretty much an introvert, uh, Scandinavian, grew up on a farm in Iowa, so very, you don't touch people, you don't get too emotional, you don't do any of that kind of stuff, so that's why I'm a Lutheran. But, um, <laughs> but basically, <laughs> um, basically, as I was thinking about love made me do it, sometimes when you love people, it causes you to become vulnerable, it causes you to do things that you wouldn't do otherwise. Uh, and as I was thinking about that connection, I also want to tie together just the whole idea of what Bethel is, um, or at least as, as I look at what Bethel is. So those are my two themes that are going to sort of get weaved together here, is love made me do it, but also what is Bethel? What really, where really is Bethel? So as I was thinking about love made me do it, um, the first person that I, or the first one that I think of when I think about love made me do it, John 3. Anybody ever read John 3 before? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Not to condemn the world, but to save the world. So really the whole Christian journey is something that began in love and continues in love. But as I was thinking about how God comes to meet us, and that, I guess that's how it sort of fits in, is that the love of God is not just a distant resource center that we appeal to every once in a while, but the love of God is actually the presence of God, the contact point of God that comes and meets us in our brokenness, that meets us in our shame, that meets us in our guilt. And as he meets us, he ends up bringing us healing and reconciliation. And as he meets us, he ends up getting us back on track, right on the path of what he has for our life. And so I'm going to look at three readings today and tie that in with the whole message of, so where exactly is Bethel? And maybe by the time you go home, you can maybe be thinking, am I living out the fullness of what Bethel is and where Bethel is? So the first reading I'm going to read is a little bit longer. I don't know how you do things. I don't know if you do big, long readings like this, but I'm just going to read through this story from Genesis 28. So I don't know if it's going to be on the screen, but I'm going to read it. Genesis 28, if you want to follow along, it starts with verse 10. So this is as Jacob is basically fleeing after he has taken his brother's birthright. Um, and so he's running away. He knows he's in trouble. And so it's sort of a, a pretty vulnerable time in his life. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. That's where his mom's family was. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head to lay down in that place. And he dreamed there that there was a ladder set up on earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, the God of Isaac, and the land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring." Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. 
So Jacob rose early in the morning. He took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place, anybody know what they called the place? Bethel. Now I've got to find where my reading is here. Um, He called the place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And all all that you give me, I will surely give one-tenth to you. So for that long reading, where is Bethel? Bethel was the place that God met Jacob at a time that he was in a vulnerable place, a place where he was leaving what was familiar, going to a place where he wasn't sure what to expect. And God met him in that place. But what Jacob wanted to do was he wanted to take that experience and just sort of make it into sort of a permanent experience. So he took that stone. And when you think about the Jewish people, where, is there, are there unsafe places to go here? The Jewish people, um, when they thought of where they met God, where did they meet God? They met God in the temple. So as Jacob was saying, surely God was in this place, but I didn't know it. The Jewish people knew that God was in their midst. And how did he know that God was in their midst? Because of the temple. So when the temple was built, you remember what was put? Well, there's the temple, there's the outer courts, there was the inner court, and then there was the innermost part. I don't know if, 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 if you end up interacting verbally here or not, or if, if I should ask questions or not. Um, but the thing, the innermost court was the Holy of Holies. That was the place where God was. And in the Holy of Holies, first they put the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was that place where heaven and earth came together. It's where God's presence would dwell. But the Ark of the Covenant was stolen. It was gone. So do you know what they put in the Holy of Holies? They put this stone, which was where Jacob had fallen asleep. And it was supposed to be that connection point, that where heaven and earth came together was that place where Jacob had his dream of angels ascending and descending upon the earth, meeting him in the midst of of his need. So as we look at at least where the Jewish people were reminded that God was in that place and they weren't alone, for them it was the temple. And specifically it was the Holy of Holies where that stone was, where Jacob had fallen asleep. That was where heaven and earth came together and that was the reminder that they weren't alone, that God was with them. So one reminder that we have, where is Bethel? Bethel is the building. Bethel is the place that when you feel confused, you feel lost, you feel ashamed, you feel guilty, you're not sure the direction of your life. One place that we experience Bethel is to come to a building. So we come to this building, and as we worship, we experience God's presence in tangible ways. As we pray together, we experience God's presence in tangible ways. And so we experience... It, when, when we're going through life, do you ever feel like you're at that place where you were here all the time, but I didn't realize it? And sometimes we come to church to be reminded that God is with us even when we don't realize it. So where is Bethel? Right here, right now, in this place where we come to worship and pray together. But there's sort of a trajectory as you read through the Bible where first that presence, that saving presence of God comes in a building is that presence going to stay in a building? No. So we've got another reading. 
where I'm going to encourage you to think of maybe Bethel isn't just in the building. From John chapter 1. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also in the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of that Lutheran church down in Yukon? <laughs> Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said to, of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you're the Son of God, you're the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You'll see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see the heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You ever, maybe this morning, hear another story about the angels and ascending and descending? What was that place called? Bethel. So what is Jesus saying to Nathanael? And this, once again, just as Jacob was in a very vulnerable time, he was running away from his brother, and God met him where he was. This was a time, the time of John the Baptist, the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, where there had been hundreds of years of prophetic silence. God was distant, and there was just this sense that now with John the Baptist, people were wondering, is God, is the Messiah coming now? And John the Baptist says, no, it's not me. Follow this guy. And so this is the beginning of Jesus calling his disciples together, people who are wondering, is this the time that God is showing up? And Nathaniel is one who is a little bit skeptical. He thinks, no, the Messiah is not going to come from some backwoods place like Nazareth. But yet, Nathaniel has been someone who has been under the fig tree. He's been there crying out for the coming of the Messiah, saying, life just doesn't make sense. I'm waiting for God to come and cause things to start making sense again, to end up bringing healing and wholeness and purpose back to my life. And what does Jesus say? This one who's been crying out for purpose in his life and healing in his life. Jesus said, maybe you didn't realize God was with you, but I saw you while you were under the fig tree. So when you think about what Jesus is saying, but Nathaniel, don't get too excited about that, the fact that I saw you in your time of prayer, but I'm actually the place that heaven and earth come together. It's not the building anymore. I am the place where the angels of God ascend and descend. So as we think about what God's trajectory is in the world, first it was to get people to a building, to see that this tangible building that was a reminder that God was with them. But now the purpose is not to just look at buildings and as we drive through town see buildings that have a reminder that God is with us. But what Jesus is saying is, as you go with me, you're going to discover and as you read through John, there's different places where you get a sense where Jesus is referring to himself as the temple. So he's saying, as you spend time with me, as you invite me to be the, your Savior, your Lord, you're going to experience that constant connection between heaven and earth. And it's not, not that the building is, is bad. It's just that's not God's ultimate trajectory. 
The trajectory is not to point us to a building, but to him. So as we go through life and we're confused and we feel like we need healing and hope, that maybe sometimes there are people watching online today, right? This is streamed, I'm assuming. Um, people watching online that aren't physically in the building. Could they actually have an encounter with God as they're watching this on, on Facebook or on the Internet? Yes, because the contact point, Bethel, isn't just being in the building. Contact point is experiencing Jesus. So there'll be some people today who, when reading the Bible, will experience Jesus or hearing a sermon online or a podcast will experience Jesus. And they'll come to the place where they said, I didn't realize it, but God was with me the whole time. And they're going to experience healing, they're going to experience hope, they're going to experience a new direction in their life. But is that the final trajectory of where Bethel is? So where is Bethel? It's the building, where, where that reminder that God is with us. Where is Bethel? Wherever the message of Jesus is proclaimed and people experience Jesus in their life. But there's another trajectory that's going to, Jesus is going to point to, and that's in John 7. On the last day of the festival, the great day, the, the festival of tabernacles, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me. Let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit which the believers in him were to receive. For as yet there was no spirit because Jesus was not yet glorified. So there's this trajectory. First it's the building, Bethel, the house of God. Then it's Jesus, Bethel, the house of God, where heaven and earth come together. This festival of the tabernacles, the last day of the festival of tabernacles. And the festival of tabernacles, one of the themes was that it was a reminder that the Messiah was going to be coming. And when the Messiah came, and that's on the last day, there was a certain ritual that they did as a reminder of what would happen when the Messiah came. So they would go down, they'd get a pot of water, they'd bring it up to the temple, and they would pour the water out through a funnel that flowed down below the temple. And it was just a ritual action that spoke of the time that when the Messiah comes, there's going to be rivers flowing out from the temple. And those rivers are going to bring fresh water to bring freshness to the brackish and salty water. And along that river, there's going to be trees with leaves for healing for the nations. And so that the trajectory of God isn't just to bring people to the temple to experience God. But when the Messiah comes, the presence of God is going to flow into the whole community. And it's going to end up bringing freshness to where things have been sick and dying. It's going to bring healing and hope. Sort of like God meeting Jacob. God meeting Nathaniel that when the Messiah comes, the presence of God is going to flow out into the whole community. So what is he talking? It's interesting because both of these things are happening at the same time. The priest is up in the temple pouring water, saying, we hope sometime soon the Messiah comes. And Jesus is down saying, oh, by the way, the Messiah has already come, and the rivers are ready to start flowing the rivers that are going to bring freshness and healing and hope into the society, they're all ready to start flowing now. And it's not just by getting to the building. It's not just by being physically in the presence of Jesus. But where does he say the rivers are going to be flowing, that contact point between heaven and earth is going to be? Out of the innermost being of the people who believe in me. 
us. And when you think about that whole idea of what the messianic expectation was, it was never just to get people to the temple. It was to have the messianic activity of God to flow out into the whole community and transform the community. So where is that outflowing going to start happening? It's going to be with us, people who believe in Jesus, people who are filled with the Spirit. It says that he was speaking of the Spirit, which they hadn't yet received, but we have received, because Jesus has been glorified. So where is Bethel? It's in the building. God is here even when I don't realize it. Where is Bethel? It's in the message of Jesus, the experience of Jesus. But where is Bethel? It's flowing out from every one of us who believes in Jesus, who has God's Spirit in us. And at these last few years, uh, like Ray had mentioned, I'm, I'm pretty introverted. People don't think I'm introverted because somehow I feel fairly comfortable speaking in front of people. But when you put me in a room of people I don't know, I don't know how to handle that. Um, but what I've decided is, if I'm supposed to be the contact point, for people to be reminded that God is surely in this place even when they didn't realize it. If they don't come to the building, that doesn't help. If they don't watch my sermon on Facebook or read my Facebook posting, that's not going to help. So how do we end up being that contact point so that people who feel like God has forgotten them, they're not sure life doesn't make sense, they feel guilty, they feel hopeless, they're not sure what's going on, if they're not going in the building and they're not reading the Bible or listening to podcasts, how are they going to be reminded that surely God is in this place? Us. So what I've decided is even though it's not my natural personality this past summer, I just said, well, I'm just going to go out. I'm going to try to spend time each day out in, out in the coffee shop or out someplace. I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm a Lutheran, so we drink beer as well. So at some point, it might be to sit at a place drinking a beer. Um, I don't know if it's okay to say that here, but I can't take it back now. Uh, <laughs> so, but basically what I decided is, I want to bless somebody I've never met every day. And so I just made the, a point of just starting to talk to people. Just saying, you know what, I'm doing my prayer time, I'm doing my devotions. How are you doing? Is there anything I can be praying for for you? And it's amazing how often the answer to that was Yes. And even people that said, you know what, I'm not really a praying person, I don't really go to church, but yet they're willing to have someone pray for them. And so just out of saying, you know what, this person, I can be the reminder to them that even though they think they're alone, that God is in this place. And as I was thinking about that, I think that's really the ultimate trajectory of the Christian life. We start by going to the building to see a tangible reminder of God's presence. Then we start experiencing a relationship with Jesus, which gives us an ongoing experience of God's presence. And then we're filled with the Holy Spirit, which gives us gifts and love and courage to go, and even for introverts, to start talking to people and praying with people. So as we think about where exactly is Bethel, it's here. It's here as we learn about Jesus, and it's here in each one of us. So love made me do it. Love made me take a risk of saying, there's somebody who would not be reminded of God's presence if I didn't take time to start a conversation. So I just want to encourage you to be thinking, how can you make yourself available? 
And maybe there's already somebody that God's put in your life. There might already be somebody that in your workplace, maybe it's your mail delivery person. Maybe you've got the same Amazon delivery person who comes up to your house every day. Maybe it's somebody that you see at the coffee shop. Maybe it's somebody in your class at school. I just want to encourage you to pray as we finish, and this is sort of the, the little heads up for the band to be, that I'm eventually going to be winding this thing up. Um, but to just take some time to pray. First, to pray, God, just make me aware. Because if I'm not aware that God is in my life, then I'm not going to be very good at helping other people to notice that God is in their life. So first, say, God, help me to be constantly aware of your presence. And then to share that so that as I go through my day that you'll draw my attention. You've ever had that experience where you just feel like you need to call this person. You need to talk to that person over there. You need to visit this person. How often have I done that? And they said, that, I really needed that. I, that was exactly the time I needed to hear somebody. Um, do you think that's a coincidence? No. <laughs> that a lot of it's awareness. It's awareness of, you know what, I'm available today. I'm available to talk to the person that you want me to talk to. I'm available to call the person you want me to call. I'm available to write a letter to the person you want me to write a letter to. And in the process to say, is there anything I can pray for? You don't need to come up with a whole bunch of the whole steps to salvation the first time you talk to them, but just simply the first part is just to create a sense of reasonable doubt for those who think that God doesn't exist to give them some reasonable doubt to say, you know what, maybe God does exist. And that strange Lutheran pastor actually drew my attention away to the, of feeling like God's not here to start feeling that, you know what, God is in this place. So number one, just to be available. And number two, as we close today, I just want to pray. Pray that God would show you somebody, somebody that's maybe been in front of you every day, or maybe once a week or twice a week, and just to say, God, show me how to engage them. Maybe it's just to say, how are you doing? Maybe it's to say, you know what, I'm doing some prayer time right now. Is there anything I can pray for for you or your family? And at the end of it, it might not seem like you've done much, but they may go home and say, surely God was in this place, but I didn't realize it until that contact point, that follower of Jesus ended up bringing me into a place where the angels of God ascended and descended into the situation in my life. So let's pray. God, love made you do it. Love caused Jesus to leave behind all of the things of heaven, it says in Philippians, to empty himself and to become a servant. Love made him enter into the lives of broken, sinful people and to invite them to follow him. And we just pray, Lord, that you would show us what you're calling us to do in response to your love. And I pray that you would help us to be constant reminders until our whole society looks and says, God is surely in this place. And uh, because of followers of Jesus in my life, now I realize it. So I just pray that you would show each one of us today, is there somebody that you're calling us to start praying for, somebody you're calling us to start noticing, somebody that you're calling us to start a conversation with, someone that you're calling us to ask, is there something I can pray for for you today? 
And as that happens, we pray that the awareness level of your kingdom would go off the charts in Yukon and around the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I loved, I love what you said today. I just, what really spoke to me is these words that came to me as he was talking about God meeting us where we are. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I need. And that's, I'm so, so, so grateful for the times that he does meet me where I am. And sometimes it just feels like you are just kind of going through the mundane of life or you're, you know, in a valley or, or whatever that might look like. And so the, some words that came to me that I wrote down while he was um, speaking was, sometimes it feels like we're surviving in the mundane instead of thriving in the intentional. Like he talked about going to the coffee houses and, and I want to live that way. I want to thrive in the intentional. I want to plan that out and to set those steps before me and just trust that God's going to meet me there and he's going to use those opportunities. Yeah. So that's just something that really spoke to my heart today. Yeah, and I think we experience moments throughout our life where uh, God's word comes alive. And it kind of like uh, the, we've been teaching in Engage Kids, we've been teaching uh, the kids the song in, in Hebrews where it says God's word is alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And that this morning, that was very evident. So thank you so much for bringing clarity to the word, bringing um, like in it. And just like we sang about, you know, from beginning to the end, your word never fails. And so when clarity is brought to the word and we experience God communicating to us through his word, obviously through a, a humble man, but also a, a flawed individual, a flawed man. And he and he would admit that. But God used uh, God used you in an incredible way this morning. So thank you for your heart. Thank you for your love for this community. Uh, thank you for. Uh, your willingness to come and encourage um, a church. And it is a beautiful picture that we get to partner with uh, churches in our local community uh, to do something and for people to experience Jesus in an incredible way. One of the things that uh, I try to remind myself often and try to tell myself is like, man, when people come into this place, my prayer is that they would not experience us. When they come here, that they would not meet us, but that they would meet Jesus and they would have an encounter with Jesus. And so I pray that this morning, as you are encouraged through the word and through the music and and, and worship, is that your heart and your affection and your attention is focused on Jesus. Uh, We say all the time that uh, being a Christian is not a a weekend event. It's a lifelong journey. And so we, we, we heard about a beautiful picture of that this morning. And so I hope that we go out from this place and are encouraged to live as that conduit that God uses in in the mundane conversations, in the conversations that maybe God is prompting us to have, the text messages that he's prompting us to send, the letters that he's sending, the phone calls that he's prompting us to send, that we would be obedient this week to to follow God uh, in whatever he has for us this week. So Well, and I think of how amazing would it be in our community. You know, we talk about like, you could change the world. Like, you could just change somebody's day. You don't have to feel the weight of being the change of the world. I mean, Jesus can do things that we would never even imagine. And so I'm like, wow, that would be amazing in our community if we all got up tomorrow morning and prayed, God, please use me today. And then in someone's life. Yeah. yeah, And ask for boldness to do that. And I just think that is what I want to be a part of. That is a movement that I can get on board with. And so I would just encourage that for everybody, you know, our whole church, Bethel family, like let's be intentional this week to step and lean into whatever God has already laid out for us. I want to walk in those plans. So Yeah, and you said it right at the end. You said maybe it doesn't seem like you're doing much, right. but maybe that person would go home mm-hmm. and say, oh, God was in this place and I didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. That's a really cool, good, uh, good picture. So thank you for your encouragements. Thank you for your love for, the, for God's word and, uh, and his people. So uh, And I think that's it. That is it. So.
Here at Bethel, we exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. Have a great great week, week, you guys. 